0: You call yourself a Christian? Great! What does that look like, practically speaking? Let's talk about that next on Truth For Today. A pine tree has certain characteristics that other trees don't have. Rather than leaves, they have needles. They grow straight and end up tending to look pointy at the top. Well, so true, a Christian. If you are a Christian, you have a certain way that you look, you have characteristics. So what are they? Glad you asked. Let's talk about them today on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Our teacher and pastor takes us back to the book of Ephesians, characteristics of the child of light. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's program.
1: begin at verse 1 of chapter 5. Be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, wouldn't you like someone to say, you mimic God? Every time I see you, it's like you're, you're duplicating God. That's the model. And live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, there's the template. There's the model that the believer is to live after, the Father and the Son. But now it begins to deal with our dangers as believers, living in a fallen world where the majority are not believers, and how easy it is to uh, cave in and uh, be tempted to act like either what we're not, be compromised, or to fall back and prove that's what we were. Watch what he says. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, any sex outside of marriage, or of any kind of impurity. This is vulgarity, filthiness of mind, uh, all that realm. Or of greed, and greed is either for money or other people, unsatisfied lust, ruthless uh, greed for more, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, always know that greed or covetousness equals idolatry. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God? Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. And I really believe that would be a better new paragraph there. The NIV is attached to here. But I want to really... Pick up today. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Save people. Don't partner your life after the lifestyle of the disobedient and the unsaved. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live or walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. He goes into this next section saying that uh, the contrast between the children of light and the children of darkness ought to be as great as the father of light and the father of darkness. That is, our lives in this new family of God ought to represent our father just as the children of darkness represent their father, Satan. No one was ever born a Christian. No one is born a Christian. You are born with a evil nature in you and your spiritual kinship, according to John eight forty four, You are of your father, the devil, and his will, you will do. His desires, you will do. That's where we started out, all of us. But now he's going to tell them that the battle with the children of light in this world is to be either compromised, put a bushel over the light. We can't change the children of light from being what they are, but we can render them ineffective. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world in Matthew 5 very phrase he used of himself in John 8. I am the light of the world, but he calls us the light. But the danger is, if we're the light of the world, why is it so dark? Why is there no difference where we are? And he's arguing for the principle that maybe we're mixing it up with darkness. We're maybe falling into what Christ said You don't light something in order to hide it. You don't light a candle in order to put a lid over it, to put a jar over it. You light it to make things visible, to bring illumination, to make a difference in the environment. When you light the light, you hope the rats run. Light dispels many things, And he's saying, my fear for you is that you who have become light could be reduced in your effectiveness by falling into the old sins, uh, making alliances with the children of darkness so that you're always bringing down the brightness of what God intends for you to be because God intends for you to bring light in your situation. And oftentimes the presence of a believer on a job in a home or a neighborhood doesn't make a difference when it ought to make all the difference in the world. And so he's arguing for them, don't be neutralized. Now, let's look at the dangers that the children of light face. Verse seven, do not be partners with them. Writing to us believers, don't become a partner for those who carry on this kind of lifestyle. The children of darkness. And that word means don't share in their relationship. Don't form alliances. Don't go in with them on their evil deeds. Do not form a partnership. Uh, some people say, I, I like uh, the, children, the unsaved more than the saints. Well, maybe you like what they do more than the saints. Because the saints don't have to be perfect for you to have to run with them. We're not to ignore an unsaved world. He's talking about the behavior of the unsaved. He's not talking about you can't be with the unsaved, but don't emulate their behavior is what he's warning. Don't go back to that. Don't form a partnership. He gives some reasons that we ought to be set apart. He just about three of them. He said it's improper for God's holy people to live this way. Peter said, God is holy. You've been called to be holy. If you don't like that agenda, go back and ask God to give you a holy nature. And when you get that holy nature, you get an appetite to want to be holy. If you have no appetite for holiness, assume you're not saved. Assume you're not saved. Because a part of this divine nature, he puts in us, is he that doeth righteousness has been born of God. 1 John 2.29 He that's been born of God cannot practice sin, 1 John 3, 9. He that's been born of God loves the brethren, 1 John 4. Read the whole chapter. He that's born of God treats Jesus as though he's the Christ, 1 John 5, 1 through 3. You see, if you don't have the appetite, quit lying to yourself. Just say, I don't have the appetite. I don't want to be holy. The reason you don't want to be is you're not. And the reason you're not is you don't know him. Don't make up a bunch of uh, new diagnoses. Just those who know their God want to be like him. It's just in the birth. It's in the new nature. It's not that you're a super saint. It's just you're a saint. I'd sin a lot more if I could enjoy it. It's terrible what I can't enjoy in sin. I mean, come on. Folks are out here robbing banks and I can't have a good fight with my wife. Even when I'm right. And that's been the fight for 37 years. She's not convinced. But the least things can bother the saints because God is making us holy. He's making us have his perspective on things. It's all a part of this divine operation in the heart. It's just amazing. You hate the things you used to love. And you come to love the things you used to hate. I used to hate going to church. Anybody ever hate going to church? I hope it's not right now, but you know, it used to. I hated it. I mean, it was like going to the police station every weekend to find out I was a thief, and I already knew it because I had no appetite for the things of God, and I never got that until I met him. He warns these children of light, uh, be sure that if you emulate the behavior of the unsaved, You may be a candidate for the wrath of God. Don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. Because the wrath of God comes on the disobedient. And I think the great warning he gives here is don't be deceived. And what is the deception that he's afraid of for them? I believe the deception is this. There's no consequences to sinning. Don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, oh, you can do this. It doesn't bother God. There's no consequences. We're all God's children. We all sin a little bit. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. The first lie in the Bible was the denial of consequences for sin. If you eat the fruit, you will not die. Has anybody gone to any funerals lately? Every time you drive by the cemetery, God is shouting to the race, the consequences of sin is death. Don't be deceived. Don't let anyone deceive you that it doesn't matter how you live. I I accepted Jesus and who cares how I live? That was in the early church called antinomianism, that salvation never affects how one lives. I write this line, a Christianity that does not change my life is one that will not change my destiny. The only way you can be sure you're going to heaven is he's already started changing you down here. And if he hasn't changed you down here, you have no confidence you'll be there. Because life change guarantees me I'm on the right course for the heavenly city. I will meet God because he's already doing a work in your life here. So a Christianity that doesn't change life will not change your destiny. You're still a child of hell until you come to have a heavenly birth from above. Well, uh, verse 8, he tells them, be sure that what you are is not what you were. Now, that's profound. I'm almost confused saying it. But notice there, for you were once darkness. Now, can you say that? Now, notice he didn't say you were in the dark. He said you were the darkness. You were a child of darkness, and you were once darkness. That's, that was your realm. But now you are light in the Lord. Now, that is so marvelous. Now, uh, you've got to know, you've got to know what you were. And you might say, well, that's what I still am. Okay. You need the but now. <laughs> you were, and I still am. Okay. At least you know where you are. You're a candidate for God's great salvation. But he's telling them, children of God, you, you know all about the behavior of the darkness. You were part of it. It was your lifestyle. But you've become light in the Lord. You've changed your whole vocation in life. You represent the life. And uh, I would just ask myself, if I were you, when did I become a child of light? And light is a metaphorical word for uh, uh, God's nature, purity, holiness. When did that I become a child of light. Well, the moment you really were born again. And this child of light isn't for a day. It's not for a month. It's called eternal kind of life. It's not just life that begins when you die. It begins right now. And it begins to let you be a light bearer. And we walk in the light. We walk in the realm of God's desires and character. So he tells them, uh, be sure that you're a child of light. Uh, You know, he said in Matthew, at the end of the greatest sermon in the world, at the end there in Matthew 7, two things happen. One, he, he just projects you into the future. He said, by the way, in that day, people will show up and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name? We have a right to heaven. We've been acting in your name. And he will say, depart from me, for I never. Then say, I did, then I forgot you. I never, I never knew you. You never were mine. Never forget my dad's testimony. He said, I failed, and I failed a thousand times, but I could never come back to God and him say, I don't know you. Because he said, he does know me. I knelt and received him as a young boy, plowing. Nine years of age, he'd always go back. He can't say he doesn't know L.J. Howard, for he saved him out in a field one day. Can God ever say he doesn't know you intimately and personally in salvation? But this was a religious crowd. We've been operating in your name. Matter of fact, we've been getting some folks well. We've been getting some demons cast out which is scary. You can do all that and still not know God. You remember the disciples came back once and they were saying, Lord, the spirits are subject to us and this is happening. He said, don't be carried away about that, but rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I'd rather know I was saved than to cast out a demon. Did you know that the greatest prophet that ever lived never did one miracle? I just read that in John this week believe it's the end of John 8. He said, John the Baptist, by whom no miracle was ever done, yet everything he said about this man was true. John the Baptist, the greatest born prophet, Jesus said, among women, never did a miracle. But what he said about Jesus was right. There's where you want to be. Don't get caught up And think because I could do something, the devil can do a miracle. Ask Pharaoh's magicians. They can make snakes crawl and become rods and rods become snakes. But they didn't know Yahweh. So he's saying here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, this is the one who knows me, the one built on the rock. He hears my sayings and he does my sayings. This one is mine. You hear John 10, he said, "My sheep are those who hear my voice and they follow me." Or 2 Timothy 2:19, 2, "The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. Let him who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. God's foundation, is sure. He knows who's His. And one of the clear marks of his own is they're walking in the light, away from the darkness. What a marvelous thing. Uh, I put the question: quit worrying about whether you act like a Christian. First, answer the question, Am I one? You've got to be sure of that. My dad had a very moving childhood term he used on us kids. It went this way: If you've got any brains, act like it. Isn't that moving? It made all of our IQ double. You know, just he'd get aggravated. Do you have any brains? Act like it. I'd say, do you have any salvation? Act like it. That's exactly what Paul's saying. If you're a man, have you ever heard that? If you're a man, act like it. Well, what are we saying there? That being a man is more than gender? I think so. We're hoping behavior matches Gender. And we're saying, if you're a Christian, act like it. If you're not, we'll pray that God would save you. But don't deceive yourself and don't be deceived, he says, by those who will come and say, we may sin that grace may abound. Don't be deceived. Uh, then he tells them to live like what they become. And uh, how do the children of light live? Look straightforward, forward. He says... Uh, live out the fruit of the light. he says this, light will make you act in goodness, righteousness, and truth. This word goodness has the idea of generosity to want to benefit people. Uh, It's quite interesting when you come to know the Lord uh, is that you come to uh, literally love people. Uh, Pastor Rollins and I have talked sometimes about Uh, various uh, attenders of this church. And and one time we discussed discussing this one person that seems to be so knowledgeable and uh, Rich says to him, he said, ah, he doesn't know God. Uh, He said, I I don't believe he's saved. On one criteria, there's no goodness in the man's life. It doesn't come across. Love for people is absent. But fight you in a minute over uh, a doctrinal issue. See, The fruit of the light is goodness. You know, some people always write, they just don't like anybody. You know, I love God, I just can't stand people. Isn't that wonderful? Great light bearer. No, 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 that's not the fruit of the light. That's the fruit of darkness. That's that's the old man. None of us get off from being good to one another and loving one another, do we? Well, it's not my personality. I'm not an extrovert. So all your fruit grows inward? No, no, no. No, you really would be distorted. No, the fruit of this light is goodness. And then righteous, right kind of behavior. And then, of course, it's truth. You walk, and he's been saying that in chapter four. We truth and love. We learn to be good to each other. We maintain the unity of the faith, forbearing with one another, seeking to benefit one another, It's all a part of this light connection, the new life that God puts in us. Um, Then he tells them that people of the light ought to have discernment. He says in verse 10, find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord. And uh, children of light are to be people who do not live on the edge of what's allowed but they literally put to the test to discern what is the best thing to do. It's kind of like Philippians 1.10. Discern what is the right thing to do. What is the will of the Lord? And when you deal with young people, I think he's saved. We've been going together a month. And I, I think he might like Jesus. You know, living on the, hey, hey, uh, what is the will of the Lord here? Well, I don't want to know too much. I just got to, it's a little ambiguous, but I like it that way. It's the morass of ambiguity. No, no, you you got to sometime really, what is the will of God in this? And he's saying, children of light, put to the test things to find out what's not only good. You remember Romans 12, what's good, acceptable, and that perfect will of God. Now, I think the will of God there is one will. It's three adjectives. I used to think there's three levels of the will of God. The will of God in the the text is described by three adjectives. Find out what the will of God is. And children of light aren't living on the edge of darkness and seeing what they can get away with. They're seeking to discern that good. What's the best thing to do? What does God want? They make it their business to find out God's pleasure.
0: Pastor Phil Howard here in our series, God's Design for Life. Getting a clue, an understanding, an idea of just how much God really loves us and the design that he has for your life and mine. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, and as we conclude our time together today, we're mindful of the fact that there might be those of you who would enjoy hearing this program again. As always, we have copies available on CD. Simply call or write to us or stop by our website. You can reach us by phone at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or stop by our website, truthfortodayradio.org. As you contact us, please bear in mind that we do continue this radio broadcast here on this station through the generous support of Truth For Today sustainers, folks just like you. With your dollars, as you partner with us financially, we'll provide to you, as our way of saying thanks, a quarterly newsletter, a -a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional. It's all available for you as you partner with us financially. For more information, give us a call. Our phone number, once again, is 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.